I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome in to another edition of World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network, live with you on the West Coast from 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 on the Eastern Seaboard. And all you folks in the middle of the country, well, you know your time zones. You got it all figured out. And if you can't listen to us live, podcast form, always there for you. No matter where you are, you could be in America, you could be in Canada, you could be in Mexico, you could be in Europe, South America. Antarctica, you'd be in the North Pole, wherever you need us, we're there with you. Podcast on iTunes, World Soccer Talk Radio. Leave us a review on iTunes when you get a chance. Tune in, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and of course the website, worldsoccertalk.com. My name is Nate Abarea. Tweet me at NateWST. Tweet all of us at World Soccer Talk. Beautiful Twitter interactions yesterday after our fantastic guest, Paul Town was with us talking all about those stadium portraits. I swear, Paul, it's like I'm going to have to start getting a little cut, man. We got you a few new customers yesterday. But if you haven't actually checked out Paul's work, be sure to get on it at Stadium Portraits on Twitter. Paul Town, what a fantastic guest yesterday. The show is is definitely we're, we're broadening our horizons, whether it's painters, musicians, play-by-play commentators, authors, Players themselves, former players, managers, and fans of the game. We got it all right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. And today, it'll be a return to our very first guest. That's right, the man who graced these airwaves back on April the 1st, 2015. Kardik Krishnayer is going to be back with us talking about his beloved Manchester City and what the deal is. Get a little Jerry Seinfeld going on. What's the deal with Manuel Pellegrini? Because really... Is it just a predetermined situation that Pep Guardiola is coming to City next year and Pellegrini can do absolutely nothing? Talk about a manager getting a fair shake. What do you think out there? Get at me on Twitter, at NateWST, and get at all of us at World Soccer Talk. Is there anything that Manuel Pellegrini can do at Manchester City this season to keep his job for another year? We'll pose that question and a whole lot more to Carter Krishnire. Also talking about the Florida Cup. Chicharito currently hanging out in Orlando with Bayer Leverkusen. We're back after this on World Soccer Talk Radio, Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned. No place to hang out or washing. And then I can Avenue. And then we'll take it higher. Oh, we're gonna rock down to Electric Avenue. And then we'll take it higher. 
You're listening to World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Barea, on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. But I'm now the president of everybody. I try to act like I'm well-traveled. I I talk all about the miles that I rack up. I got nothing on this guy, Kardik Krishnayer. How are you doing, and where are you currently located, sir? I'm in Fort Lauderdale, so I'm where I'm supposed to be. (laughs) All right, he's back back in FLA, and we'll we'll talk quite a bit about Florida and Fort Lauderdale uh, as well here in uh, in a little bit. But we've got to start by talking about your beloved English side up in Manchester and what's going on with the managerial rumors up at, at Manchester city with the, uh, the folks at the Etihad and, and the name Pep Guardiola being thrown around just, just a little bit, I'd, I'd say Cardick. And, and the question that I have right now, a lot of people have is with, with Pep Guardiola seemingly being assumed by, by so many that he is going to for sure be the Manchester city manager next season. Is there anything that, that Manuel Pellegrini can do this year at Manchester city to get another year? Like, you know, maybe win the premier league. Well, first off, I've been hearing these rumors for a year and a half. And so has Manuel Pellegrini. So has every player in the city squad. And I, I think, there's a certain level of disruption this has caused to the squad. Now, it's a fact of life. This is the way the English media likes to uh, sensationalize things. I have no empirical evidence that Pep Guardiola is going to be Manchester City's manager next season. The, the reality is uh, Pellegrini was given an additional year on his contract after these rumors began. Uh, not the most recent set of rumors. Not since, uh, obviously, uh, the well, Gordiola stepped down at Bayern. Uh, I, I think while Gordiola is spinning it in a way that he wants to manage in England, I think we all know that there were some serious differences of opinion between him and the um, brass, as you would call it, at, at Bayern Munich. Right? I mean, it's a very proud club. It's a very kind of conservative club in, in, in their approach to the football. Uh, something that. Uh, is in fact even discussed in Rafa Honigstein's uh, book Das Reboot about uh, German football. So I think um, the speculation, I, I think Pep could, uh, Gordiola could just as easily go to Manchester United. He could go to Arsenal if, uh, if Arsene Wenger were to retire. Not that I, I think that that's likely, but if they don't win a title this year, who knows? Uh, he very well could go to Chelsea. He's a short-term manager, and Chelsea is a club that keeps managers short-term. So I, I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion or a fait accompli at all that he, uh, he's going to manage Manchester City next season. I, I just have not bought into that the way so many others have. Okay, we, we, we talk about the fait accompli. I'm, I'm very glad that we, we've got that out on the show now because I don't, I don't know if anyone else has used that turn of phrase in, in a while here on World Soccer Talk Radio, whether it's the assumption whatever we want to call it. Why are so many people in England and specifically in the city of Manchester so sure of Pep's path to the Etihad? Well, uh, obviously, uh, two figures loom large, which are uh, uh, Tishi Bergeson, who is the director of football at Manchester City, who was at Barcelona with, uh, with Pep Guardiola, and, of course, also Fern, Fern Soriano, who's the chief executive of City Football Group, which means he's also very involved with our New York City FC team here in Major League Soccer. Uh, he's the chief executive of both clubs in reality, but he uh, was... was 
instrumental it's thought in the Barcelona boardroom to give take the chance on Guardiola in 2008 when Frank Reichardt was was um, terminated and not go with Jose Mourinho which was the prevailing thought at the time at Barcelona Mourinho has kept that 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 vendetta since 2008 against Barcelona uh, as I think everyone is aware of that seems to drive him this this maniacal hatred of Barcelona since that point but at that moment in time, and Jonathan Wilson has written about this again in the last month and a half or so. He actually wrote about it before Mourinho was sacked at Chelsea, but anticipating Mourinho sacking. So it probably was in, in, in mid-November or late November of that Essentially, uh, Gordiola's two allies in getting him that job when there were other people involved with uh, B- Barcelona who, with Mourinho available and on the market, thought that that was the, the logical hire. Of course, uh, Mourinho having served as uh, an assistant coach to Louis van Gaal and before that as, uh, as uh, an assistant for, uh, of other, doing other things around the club uh, under Sir Bobby Robson. That um, those two guys that are both now at Manchester City were critical in in convincing the rest of the Barca board to um, and the president uh, Laporta at the time was president of Barcelona to hire uh, Guardiola over Mourinho. Cardick, it seems as if, and this is based on some of the things that you just touched on uh, a few minutes ago, but it seems as if Manchester United is not going to sack Louis van Gaal this year. It seems as if, and I'm, I'm maybe going out on a bit of a limb here, but I don't think too big of a limb here, that they're not going to sack him or, or cut ties with him until the end of the season. Goose Hiddink is going to manage Chelsea through the end of the season. And then we get into the summer of 2016 and we're going to have the, the, the European championships going on. And, and even the, the Copa America centenario, it's going to be this wild summer of international soccer. Yet I feel like the Pep Guardiola sweepstakes in the summer of 2016, I can already see the storyline developing and, and, and will it be Chelsea man United and Manchester city in a race for Pep? In, in the summer and who can entice Guardiola the most? Are we, are we heading for that, Cardick? We might be. I mean, I, I thought this would be locked in sooner to whichever club he goes to. Uh, Chelsea is, is the club that doesn't have a manager under contract for next season at the current time. So, uh, like the Bayern situation where uh, Heinkins was uh, knew that he was out of the job at the end of the uh, end of the year, and that, that didn't affect Heinkins because he's managed Bayern on on interim uh, on an interim basis and on a permanent basis. For, I think three or four times in his career, as well as managing some other pretty big clubs, including Real Madrid. But I, I, um, I that that was the. Um, the, the announcement on Guardiola to Bayern was made well in advance. Now we might, we just may not see that this time unless it's Chelsea, because Chelsea, of course, do not have a manager for next season, and they have. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of talk now that Chelsea uh, is going to make a run at a European place or maybe a Champions League place, but, but realistically, they're, they're probably not playing for much other than um, uh, trying to finish as high up the table as they can under an interim manager. Whereas Manchester United, Manchester City, still have. Uh, Trophies they're, 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 they're fighting for, and um, potentially the league itself that they're, that they're both fighting for. Uh, so 
who knows when uh, that announcement will be made. Maybe it'll end up being, it'll spill into the summer, which is, I think, fairly disruptive to whichever team hires him because he's a very system-oriented manager, right? You're not hiring Carlo Ancelotti, who's a very pragmatic manager and a very kind of uh, likable character. You're hiring Pep, who has a, a very strict system. Certain players don't fit his system, and he also likes to, uh, he, ha- he-, he has conflicts with the media who cover his teams or cover him. So it, it, it's a, it's a tough one for either club, I think, to bring him in in the summer and then, and then expect to, uh, to, um, just fly the next season in, in the way that I think some of the press expect them to, because I also have to mention that, uh, this is an ultra competitive league at the top. And, um, Someone's taking a risk uh, if, if you bring in a manager who's going to completely uproot what the work that's been done previously. Well, I want to go back to, to one quick point first off, and that is that Chelsea over the the rec- over recent history have actually done some pretty spectacular things with uh, with interim managers, quote unquote interim managers at the helm. So who knows what uh, what Mister Hidden could pull off uh, with with Chelsea this season? But but the final question here before we head to break, Cardick, it, it goes back to I mean I'm I feel like I'm repeating myself here, but I, I've asked this to so many people. Uh, I feel like for the last year or so, or year and a half, when we talk about these Pellegrini rumors, what can he do to to maybe save himself? And could something happen where, let's say Man City don't win the title, they cut ties with Pellegrini, and then they don't get Guardiola, and it's the ultimate egg-in-the-face moment, and they're panicking, trying to find a manager. Is that thought in anybody's head at the Etihad right now? And And is Manuel Pellegrini simply a lame duck? Yeah, I think that, I think that's a very good point. I think that thought is in people's head at the Etihad, and and there's this this fear that you might release Pellegrini, you might let him go, and uh, and then you, you're, you're stuck uh, trying to woo a manager when uh, when Guardiola either opts to manage somewhere else in the Premier League or decides he's taking another sabbatical, which obviously he's done that before. So uh, that's uh, I think a concern of, of a lot of people at, at the Etihad. And what could Pellegrini do to avoid? This lame duck fate. I'm not. I'm not really sure. I think he would probably have to have uh, a season where he gets 90 points or 95 points because it seems like not even winning the league is good enough for some of the people who uh, who critique Manchester City right now. Which I, I. I mean, I'm not quite sure. I guess they're they're bandwagon fans who just uh, uh, joined joined our cause in the last couple of years. Because, but but honestly, Nate. I mean, we have a we have a lot of fans that not, nothing is good enough for them. So Pellegrini is going to continue to get criticized. Side, and we're going to hear, even if we win the league, well, Pep will be better or some other manager will be better. So um, I guess he has a very high bar to, uh, to meet. And the grass is always greener on the other side, indeed, until you find out that it's not. Cardiff so Schneier. <laughs> Carter Christeyer with us here on World Soccer Talk Radio. We're back after this on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network, taking a trip to FLA, talking about the Florida Cup. You don't know much about the Florida Cup? Well, stay tuned. We'll tell you all about it right here, Sports Byline. Welcome back to World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Nate Abarea here with Kardik Krishnayer, and it is time to take a trip to the great state of Florida and talk about the Florida Cup. Kardik Krishnayer, please tell us all about 
the Florida Cup, which starts this weekend. Who are some of the teams competing in this thing, and where will the games be being played? I hear rumor that the home of the Fort Lauderdale Strikers is being used. Yes, the home of the Fort Lauderdale Strikers is one of the venues, uh, Lockhart Stadium, for games on January 13th, or a game on January 13th, I think, between uh, Schalke and Atletico, uh, Athletic Monero. I love how everything is a cup competition, all these uh, games with friendlies in the United States. It's always this cup or that cup, but it's not really a cup. It's just a lot of friendlies that have been organized uh, uh, in kind of in tandem to give teams during their their winter breaks, uh, as it is in Germany and in the Ukraine, with Shakhtar, although of course Shakhtar is now they play in the Ukrainian league, but they're sort of in Russian-occupied Ukraine or whatever you want to call that part of the country. But uh, the Ukrainian league, the German Bundesliga, and the Brazilian league are on break now, so those teams uh, they can come to Florida, they can train. The weather is decent; uh, it's not great. Uh, Believe it or not, it, it's not. Uh, it, the weather has turned uh, a little bit chilly and um, windy throughout the state the last uh, two days, uh, which was a marked change from before. But uh, a lot of friendlies involving uh, uh, Brazilian teams, German teams, and Ukrainian te- and a Ukrainian team. Most notably, though, in this entire conversation, is that Chicharito Hernandez is playing two friendlies on U.S. soil with Bayer Leverkusen, and I think that's probably the headliner from this this. Uh, a tournament or whatever you want to call it. And we must not forget the one Colombian uh, representative in this tournament, Independiente Santa right, Fe correct, coming correct. up. Yeah. Again, I, I call this thing a tournament. It's a series of friendlies. Come on, let's get let's get let's get correct. real here. But I do like this thing. I, I enjoy these these winter break tournaments and and everything. This goes back to your trip to Germany recently and everything that these German clubs are doing to try to get a foot in to the American door and and with playing. Schalke against the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. I mean, the Fort Lauderdale Strikers are getting definitely something out of this. Then they host uh, Independiente Santa Fe in, in Boca Raton on, on Sunday the 17th. But you, you've got Bayer Leverkusen coming through. And Chicharito is without a doubt the big draw of this whole event. And, and just talk about this event on that level of, of the last time we had you on the show and you were fresh back uh, from, from your trip to Germany and everything that these German clubs are trying to do to get in to the American market. Talk about what this tournament represents in that regard. Well, I think it's an opportunity, obviously, for both Schalke and Bayer Leverkusen to, to uh, register with American audiences. Uh, and Leverkusen has this long history of having American players. I think we talked about this last time I was on the show. And, and uh, starting with guys like uh, Thomas Dooley and Claudio Reyna and then uh, Landon Donovan and uh, Frankie Haydock, etc. Uh, but they never really made a concerted effort to win over the audience in the American market the way Premier League clubs did, the way British clubs did, or English clubs, we should say. And even second division English clubs who, I mean, I remember seeing Bolton in friendlies here in Florida. I remember seeing Burnley come to the States on more than one occasion and, and uh, so on and so forth. We've had so many clubs come over. Preston North End came over once. So it's an opportunity for, for, for Leverkusen, given that they have the player that I would say, uh, and this might stun, uh, because in this event there's a lot of interest in the Brazilian clubs among the Brazilian community in the state of Florida, in both Orlando and, and Fort Lauderdale, and in, in the Fort Lauderdale Boca area. This might 
shock people uh, who are going to this event. But beyond Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, I think Chicharito Hernandez is the most marketable single player in this country right now. And that's um, something that I think even the, the, the promoters of this event, who are Brazilians, don't quite realize because uh, he, he is the most marketable commodity to kind of your, your mainstream American fan or fans of the Mexican national team, the CONCACAF fans, the people who tune in for these types of events, who you need to kind of hook in beyond your, your, your strict ethnic crowd, uh, your ethnic crowd that might support the, the, the Brazilian teams or the Colombian team that's in this tournament. So I think it's a pretty big deal for them. And, and for the Bundesliga in general, it's just beginning to register, right? They haven't taken this market seriously in terms of coming over here. And it's, it's great to be on television in this country. There's no question about that. And so much of the success of the Premier League has been about television and their penetration on TV. But it's been complemented by English clubs coming to the United States every summer, every opportunity. Uh, Chelsea came to the United States four, five, six straight years. Same thing with Everton. I mean, it, it became a very regular thing in the last decade for English teams to come. And so it's no accident that when you see the television ratings now for English Premier League games and uh, the rights fees that NBC paid to keep the English Premier League as a property on their network for the next six years, and you compare it to every other European soccer property in this country and what it's yielding and, and the number of viewers, it's not an accident. Okay, well, Kardec, that transitions perfectly into what I wanted to ask you about next, and that is how big of an influence, how big of an impact is this tournament or this Florida Cup, the series of friendlies, actually going to make? Because when you talk about the, the English clubs and what they've done for decade plus for for years and years now that this isn't just going to happen overnight where suddenly the the german teams have this major foothold in america with, with their fan base and and bundesliga tv contracts are are going to go through the roof it's going to ha- it's going to take some baby steps it's going to hit some speed bumps in the process but a lot of clubs in germany are making the right moves in that direction but transitioning back to this event They're playing these games at the Wide World of Sports in Orlando. They're playing at Lockhart in Fort Lauderdale, and they're playing out in Boca Raton. How many people are actually going to be at these games, and what are they really going to do for the brands of these teams? Well, Germany actually played a friendly against Ecuador at the stadium in FAU in Boca uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago. I think it was going in, uh, it was uh, before. The Euros, maybe. No, maybe it was after the Euros, but it, it was about two or three years ago. They, um, and they drew about 17,000 for that game. So that would be, I think, the, the, the maximum fan base for any German, German-related property in the state of Florida. Uh, I remember when Germany played uh, the United States in Jacksonville, and the crowd was about <laughs> 20,000, and it was mostly U.S. fans. So I, the, the, the Bruce started. Arena debut match, if I, if I recall correctly. Yeah, and, and, and we smashed them, if you remember. 3-0! <laughs> Come on, USA! 3-0, yeah. Um, but, Nate, I think it's a starting point. That's all it is. I mean, they have to – this took years and years and years of uh, attempts and penetration by uh, the English Premier League clubs coming to the United States, registering their names, being on uh, obscure channels, having these highlight shows that our good friend Nick Webster used to work on, and, and then just little by little, then finally getting onto ESPN, and then finally breaking through and being on NBC, being on a big network in this country. It took time. And it involved teams coming over three, four, five, uh, five straight years. Uh, as I said, Everton came over here five or six straight years. Chelsea came over here five or six straight years. 
and they were playing high-profile uh, friendlies that were not only uh, on U.S. soil, but were also on U.S. television in prime time. Uh, the German clubs haven't done any of that yet. This thing starts up Sunday, January the 10th, just a few days away. Bayer Leverkusen against Independiente Santa Fe of Colombia. And then Schalke against the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. And both of those matches will be at the uh, ESPN Wide World of Sports in Orlando. Last question before we got to head to a break. We got to head to a break in about 45 seconds here, Cardick. But how are the Strikers feeling? The, the Fort Lauderdale Strikers getting to play a game against Schalke in the middle of January. Well, that's the coolest thing for me. I mean, I'm, I am a Strikers fan. I, I, mean, I try and act as objective media when I cover them, but I am a Strikers fan. That's, that's the club I support in this country. So it's very exciting. First day of training was yesterday. I was out there at training. Uh, and uh, some of the players are like, pinch, pinch us. We're used to playing the Carolina Railhawks and Atlanta Silverbacks, and we're going to play Schalke. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. It's, uh, but everybody's excited about it. You got to love it. The Florida Cup, again, Bayer Leverkusen, Santa Fe, Schalke, the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, Internacional, Atletico Minero, Shakhtar Donetsk for all you Ukrainians out there. Got a couple of Ukrainian friends who are actually heading down from New York City to Florida to check out this tournament. Shakhtar will get uh, their, their slate going on, I believe, Sunday, January the 17th. It's a 10-day event. If you're down in the Florida area, I encourage you to check it out. If I were down in Boca Raton or Fort Lauderdale, I would be there in a heartbeat. So go for me since I'm, you know, 3,000 miles away. When we get back, got a whole lot more to talk about with Cardi Krishnaya right here on World Soccer Talk Radio, Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned. Listening to World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nada Barea, on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Pretty good. Pretty damn good, that's We're the Manchester United fan club from Ohio. Welcome back to World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. If you are looking for an advantage when betting on soccer, I want to let you know about a unique open betting platform called FanBet. With FanBet, you can follow your friends and top-ranked bettors to get a wealth of betting tips to help improve your real money bets. Here's how it works. FanBet runs a weekly contest called Fan Play. Members place bets on Premier League games using betting credits. The game data is analyzed and the top bettors are ranked according to their success. FanBet allows you to see live picks and betting history of these players and by following winning betters logic implies that you will become more successful sign up today for your free account at fanbet.com after you log in to your fanbet account first thing you'll see is a live stream of picks from winning betters each better ranked based on their average return from their last five bets then you can add any pick to the odds tracker and fanbet We'll compare leading bookmakers to give you the best available odds for your money. It's as simple as that. Improve your soccer betting returns with FanBet.com. Another huge thank you to FanBet.com for their support of World Soccer Talk Radio. We're here with Kardik Krishnayer. We've talked all about 
the Manchester City managerial situation with Manuel Pellegrini, how Mr. Pep Guardiola ties into it all. We'll be, be seeing the Pep Guardiola sweepstakes in the summer of 2016 with Manchester United, Chelsea, and of course Man City, all supposedly in the running for Pep Guardiola, mainly those two Manchester clubs, but don't leave Chelsea out of uh, any race for any high-profile target, be it a player or a manager. Be sure to check out the Florida Cup if you're down there in the Fort Lauderdale, Orlando, or Boca Raton areas over the uh, next few days. That tournament from the 10th of January to the 20th of January featuring great teams from Brazil, the Ukraine, Colombia, and of course, Deutschland. Chicharito currently in Orlando with Bayer Leverkusen. A man who Carter Krishnayer calls, apart from Messi and Ronaldo, the most marketable soccer player in the U.S. Be sure to tweet us your take on that. Very much enjoyed that at World Soccer Talk and at Nate WST. All right. We are about to open up quite the box right now, Cardick, because I want to talk with you now about ownership of soccer teams here in America. So this 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 could get a little juicy. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this. Now, we've had folks on this show who, who cover ABAR in, in, in the Basque regions of Spain. We, we've had the lads from Swansea on this show, and everybody knows the Swansea story. But before we get carried away with people getting angry that I'm not tying promotion and relegation into this. I, I want to bring something else up, an American comparison that I've brought up on this show before, and that is the Green Bay Packers, one of the greatest names in American football history, owned by the fans. It is, it is a true supporter-owned club in, in, in the best of ways. How could that ever become commonplace in American soccer, Cardick, for supporters, be it like it is at Swansea with the Supporters Trust, be it how it is at A-Bar in Spain or even something like the NFL with the Green Bay Packers. How could we see that start to become commonplace in American soccer for supporters to actually have, be it a full or part ownership of soccer clubs here in the States? Well, I hate having the promotion and relegation discussion, so it, we, we can skip that, although I have to mention this. The only way supporters can control a club right now in the United States seems to be to buy into a club at, the, at a very low amateur or semi-pro level at the NPSL level, as we've seen with Nashville, as we've seen with Detroit City. Uh, there's some other fan movements. Uh, to, to, to establish those, those sorts of clubs. There's just too much in the way of, uh, when, when you're talking about uh, the clubs in the United States, the clubs don't have enough support and enough supporters to financially make this work. We're finding that now with the Atlanta Silverbacks. The Atlanta Supporters Trust uh, is trying to buy that club, the, the, the fans of, of the Atlanta Silverbacks. And I, I just don't think there are enough fans that, that that club has to actually buy a club and then pay to operate a club in a professional league. And the operating costs in the NASL go up every year, and you have to travel twice to Edmonton. I mean, that, that's a, a, a major expense. There are all kinds of hidden expenses like that. So I think the expense of it makes it cost prohibitive. But I have to say, um, while we may not be able to do the community ownership with members like the German clubs do and, and like uh, uh, some of these other clubs that you've mentioned do, I would like to see more emphasis on finding local owners for local clubs in Major League Soccer and the NASL and in USL. I think there 
we're getting to a period of time where a lot of people are investing in the sport in this country based on what they see as potential down the road, and they may not be from the community they're investing in, or they might even be foreign owners who uh, might have an investment in football in another country, and then when they get frustrated with the way the American system operates, because it's very peculiar, very nuanced, and, and the United States Soccer Federation is not the... Uh, is not the finest facilitator or caretaker of the game in this country, in my opinion. When all those sorts of frustrations come up for foreign owners or for owners that may be from Seattle but have invested in a team in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, my fear is that they pull the plug. And we, have, we already have a very high fail rate, alarmingly high fail rate for franchises or for clubs or whatever term you want to use for teams in this country in our, in our closed league system. And... I'm concerned that's just going to continue to, to happen, even though the sport is much more popular and much more lucrative financially than it, than, it, than it was even a decade ago. You brought up two very interesting subtopics here. The first one I want to touch on is American soccer fans perhaps, perhaps becoming weary of foreign ownership. And now there's a really interesting little subtext here, and that is that I love that you touched on it. And just thinking the, the base geography of something that you just threw out there, of somebody being from northern Washington and owning a team in Birmingham, Alabama. Or, or we, could, we could use a million different examples from, from place to place where that mileage in Europe, you'd cover 20 countries. Here, you're still in America. So is that owner any less foreign to the area? Is, is he more local because he's American when in reality he's, he's, he's from 2,500 miles away and, and, and has nothing to do, no real in-depth knowledge of, of the local community? So, so tying that back into it, Cardick, should American soccer fans be weary of, of foreign ownership, be it from another country or be it from another part of the U.S. that, that has no familiarity with the local community at hand? Absolutely, 100% should be weary of it. I'm not saying throw all the foreign owners out of MLS or out of NASL. What I am saying is that I think that many of the people who invest in the sport in this country who come from Europe or come from South America do not know the nuances and the challenges in this country. Something as simple as what you just talked about. The distance from um, Seattle to Birmingham is probably more than the distance from London to Kiev, right? I mean, you can't even make a trip that long going through 20 countries in Europe to play a, a Europa League match. So it, 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 there, there are these sorts of things which are hidden costs, travel costs, um, the, the, uh, all kinds of expenses involved. And without us having the kind of revenue streams that they, that they have for the big leagues in Europe, it, it's, um, it's a dangerous thing because if the owner has no tie to a community, and I guess this applies to the, to the other American owners, as you were mentioning, from other parts of the country. It becomes much easier to say, hey, I've lost, I've taken a bath on this after three years. I'm going uh, I'm to walk away. I, 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 um, I'm putting the club up for sale, and I'm shuttering the club if uh, I don't find a buyer. And this is, I think, a real dilemma now as I see particularly the NASL courting more and more foreign owners. MLS has done it, too, and uh, there are uh, even some, uh, some issues with the, with the few 
foreign owners we have in, in, in Major League Soccer are potential issues. There aren't any yet, but could be potential issues. But in the NASL, where the NASL has very openly talked about, Bill Peterson has talked about it on their show, very openly talked about getting foreign investors and people who are associated with football clubs in Spain or Italy, and we've, or we've seen rumors of Celtic. I, once, like the Raya Viacano team in Oklahoma City, once Raya realizes that the level of player isn't good enough for them to take back to Madrid with them, and they're not going to make any money playing in a rented stadium in Oklahoma City, and their, 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 their travel costs are enormous, what makes us believe Raya Viacano four years from now is going to say, you know what, we're going to stick this out in, uh, for the long haul? I'm not even convinced Manchester City will stick out the New York City FC thing for more than five years, because I think they're, they're probably already seeing there's a lot more to it. Uh, with all the all the subtleties and, and difficulties and hurdles in Major League Soccer uh, than they might have thought initially when they bought in. And I, I would say that's probably two or three times more likely with a club like Rio that they would pull out. And, and, you know, you can go on and on thinking about those kinds of scenarios. And it's much better to have local ownership. Well, that transitions perfectly into this. What should soccer fans do at, at everything from, from the grassroots levels all the way to, to the highest clubs in, in Major League Soccer? Because I always, I always get a little bit peeved when, when people talk about local clubs and, and forget that some people are, are born in, in big cities, that some people, their local club is a team in Manchester, in London, in New York City, in Seattle. I mean, people will say, hey, support your local club. And I always... I I catch myself, you know, getting so high and mighty about, hey, you know, support grassroots soccer, support your local club. Well, some people are born and raised in big cities. So even those people where their local club is a big, massive entity, whether it's the grassroots at the lower league levels or all the way up to the the big money levels or what's becoming big money levels in Major League Soccer, what can a soccer fan do to influence change and encourage local owners to, to invest in the future of their clubs and their communities, large or small. It has to come from supporters groups and from vocal supporters. I, I reference uh, the, uh, the tri- Triangle Soccer Fanatics in the Raleigh-Durham area this, uh, this past year with the Mets at Traffic Sports uh, who have been convicted, right, or have pled guilty to all these uh, charges in this DOJ investigation. With them as the owners, and remember, they're based in Brazil. They have an office in Miami, but they're based in Brazil. With them as the owners... Um, tri- triangle Soccer Fanatics, much to, I think, the consternation of the NASL League office, waged this campaign, traffic out campaign. We want new owners. We want local owners. And eventually, Stephen Malik, who's a local venture capitalist in the Raleigh area, bought the team. Uh, I think it has to come from supporters. They have to be vocal about it. Uh, TSF ha- uh, took out a web page. They were protesting at all the games. It has to, it has to reach that level. Uh, just Twitter buzz doesn't do it. Uh, and, and you have to, unfortunately, be organized. And I think in, in a lot of cases, it's not the first thing on the minds of supporters. They want to just make sure their, their, their team is operating and they don't want to uh, question the owners that they might have currently or owners that might bring a team to their city who happen to be foreign owners who, who say, hey, you know, we really like uh, Austin, Texas. We want to put a team there in USL or NASL. Uh, sometimes it's a double-edged sword. They, they come into town, and five years from now, they might break your heart. 
Is it possible for supporters of bigger teams to have any level of influence? Because many of the examples that, that you use, Cardick, in conversations that we've had on and off the air are in, I don't want to say Austin, Texas is a small market or Oklahoma City is a small market, but it's a lot different than a, a Chicago or a New York. And, and we see Raleigh is a small market, right? But Raleigh is a small market. I mean, can, 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 can supporters in Major League Soccer have, have the level of influence that you're talking about if they, if they rally in the right ways? I think, again, it matters to market size. I think the smaller markets in the league, Salt Lake, Orlando, Orlando has a foreign owner, um, so keep an eye on that one. Uh, Portland, they, they can have the influence. In New York, Chicago, L.A., probably not. Philly, probably not. Well, there you go. Kardik Krishnaya with us again here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Kardik, what is next for you? Going to be covering the, the Florida Cup and uh, cheering on your, your, uh, your beloved Manchester City in the League Cup, I believe, tomorrow. Yeah, so of course we're, we we play Everton tomorrow in the League Cup semifinal. Your Liverpool side is. Uh, oh, uh, no, no, don't tell me, don't tell me. We're, 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 we're DVRing. We're DVRing. There we go. Spoilers. Spoilers. Um, so <laughs> obviously, Florida Cup I'm, I'm covering in. Unfortunately, it's a reality, Nate, of January. You and I are doing the same thing. We're covering silly season, even though 99% of the rumors are truly silly. That's what we're doing for the next 30 days or however many days are left in this month. Jose Mourinho to the U.S. men's national teams. Latsan Ibrahimovic to the San Jose Earthquakes. I'm telling you, they're all coming true. It's going to be a beautiful, silly season here in January. Kardik Krishnayer, thank you so much for joining us, man. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Nate. Again, that was Carter Krishnayer. Check him out on Twitter at KKFLA737, just like the airplane. That's right. World Soccer Talk Radio back with you here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network, taking the express train home after this. Rebuild or replace transmission, $3,200. Anti-lock brake system, $1,000. Rebuild or replace engine, $2,400. Truth is, once your manufacturer's warranty runs out, it's all on you. Every last cent. Get protection for covered repairs with a vehicle service contract from Toco Warranty. Unlike other companies, with Toco, there's no down payment, and the monthly payments are really affordable. Not sure how long you're keeping your car? At Toco, you can pay as you go. Keep your hard-earned cash and call Toco Warranty right now at 800-222-2313 to save big money on covered auto repairs. Prices vary by vehicle, but for about the cost of a tank of gas per month, a Toco plan has your back on expensive covered car repairs. Monthly payments are very affordable. Get your free quote now. Call Toco at 800-222-2313. That's 800-222-2313. 800-222-2313. Cancellation fee may apply. Subject to eligibility. Not available in Missouri and Washington. Waiting period and deductible apply. Coverage provided and administered by Warrantech Corporation or its affiliates. Not affiliated with any manufacturer or dealership. Visit tocowarranty.com for complete terms and conditions. When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have 5000 10000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. 
Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Do you have an old car sitting in your driveway? How would you like to learn a hassle-free way to get rid of it, help kids in need, and get a great tax donation in the process? It's real easy. One simple free call to our car donation hotline is all it takes. Call the Nishama Foundation at 800-760-4895. 800-760-4895. We'll come pick your car up for free and give you a tax donation for the full value of the car, running or not. The value of your unwanted car will go to help kids in need. It's fast and easy. Just call us and your car will be gone and on its way to helping children in 48 hours. And you get a nice tax deduction. Call the Nishama Foundation now to get rid of your car, help kids, and get a tax write-off. Call 800-760-4895. 800-760-4895. That's 800-760-4895. Falling out of my chair as we try to close out the show here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Another big thank you to Kardik Krishnayer for joining us yet again. Kardik racking up the appearances here on World Soccer Talk Radio. Always a pleasure having Kardik on. And and one quote again that really stood out from, from that whole episode today. Apart from Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, Chicharito Hernandez is the most marketable soccer player in the United States. Let us know what you think about that quote from Carter Krishnayer. Get at him on Twitter at KKFLA737 and get at me at NateWST. And find all of us at World Soccer Talk. Very excited for tomorrow's show. Danny Higginbottom is going to be with us. That's right. The former Manchester United, Royal Antwerp, Derby County, Southampton, Stoke City, Sunderland, Nottingham Forest, Ipswich Town, Sheffield United, and Chester, man. And let's not forget about the Gibraltar national team. Born in Manchester, suited up for Gibraltar a few times. Cannot wait to get a conversation going with Danny Higginbottom, a great pundit over there in the UK, a fine color commentator as well. That's tomorrow's show. Today's show is all over with. Have a great rest of your day. Nate Abarea signing off. World Soccer Talk Radio. Love you.